it is my joy to welcome you to our very first video recorded contemporary worship service. My name is Lori Haas and I'm one of the pastors at Church of the Palms. We are so glad that you are here with us. This is a special and strange service though, special because of course today is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day mom and to all you moms out there. And it is the day that we traditionally have recognized and celebrated our graduating seniors. Well, it's a strange day, of course, because we can't be together in person. We miss you so much, and we can't wait until we can be together again. I just wanted to give you a quick update about what's been going on at Church of the Palms. Most of us are working from home, but we are trying the best we can to care for our congregation and for our community. We've been making lots of calls, sending cards and emails and um, text messages, and we've been doing daily devotions, and uh, we've been doing our prayer line, and so you can check that out at the church. We've also been caring for our community in a big way through our food pantry. We are touching literally thousands and thousands of lives with giving them food and hopefully helping in that hunger. We could use your help. If you are between the ages of 18 and 64, we would love for you to volunteer and to help serve. Just go to our website and you can sign up there and then we would look forward to seeing you. You know that we can only do this ministry because of your generosity. And there are four ways that you can give. Of course, you can write a check, you can give online, you can text to 941-202-5125, or you could set up a direct deposit from your bank. Regardless of how you do it, we just want to thank you for your generosity, and we want to thank you for joining us in our mission to love God and to love neighbor. It is now my pleasure to introduce and invite my friend Ethan to come forward so that he can introduce the 2020 graduating class. Good morning. My name is Ethan Howell. I am the interim director of student ministry. I have the privilege of introducing you to the graduating class of 2020. Unfortunately, because we can't be together in worship because of COVID-19, um, Sarah Soboleski has put together a special video that we will show you in just a minute. Today is also the day that we would like to invite you to become a Palms Angel for one of our graduating seniors. Our dream is to create a sticky faith in our kids so that when they graduate and leave, they don't leave their faith behind. One of the ways we do this is by keeping a connection with our graduates back to us, their home church. A Palms Angel stays in touch with their student by sending cards, notes, the occasional Starbucks gift card, or a small care package. If you would like to be a part of this important ministry, please contact Lisa Boffman at the church. You can call the church office or email her at her email address. I hope you enjoy this video. Hi, my name is Adam Rents, and I'm graduating from Riverview High School. 
I'll be attending University of Florida next year, and my favorite memories with Church of the Palm have been going to Montreal every summer for the past three years. Hi, my name is Kayla Fabo, and I'm graduating from Venice High School, and I'm headed to Santa Fe in Gainesville. My favorite memories of COP are taking trips together, like going to Rocky Universe concerts and Montreal. Hello, my name is Andrew Lever. I'm graduating from Riverview High School, and I'll be attending University of Florida with the Gator Design and Construction Program next year. My favorite memory of Church of the Palms, all the long nights the boys spent at Montreal. Hi, my name is Julia Blum. I'm graduating from Pineview, and I plan on attending FSU in the fall. And some of my favorite memories from Church of the Palms are Cedar Kirk and the summer camps. My name is Jared Romine. I'll be graduating from Cardinal Mooney Catholic High School this year and attending Florida State University next year. My favorite memories with Church of the Palms are just all the crazy fun things that me and my friends would do on summer trips and being able to just walk in and know that my favorite people are always at Church of the Palms. Hi, my name is Lauren Eakin and I'm graduating from Riverview High School this year. I plan on attending Florida State University this fall to major in psychology. Some of my favorite moments from Church of the Palms are the trips I've taken like Montreal and Rock the Universe and all the special little moments in between like confirmation class and high school youth group nights. I'm so grateful to this church for all the amazing connections I've made with people here. Hi, my name is Xander Gardner. I'm graduating from Riverview and I'm going to Princeton University. Hi, my name is Brooke Collins, and I'm a senior at Riverview High School, and next year I'll be attending University of Florida. My favorite memory from Church of the Palms has just been all the friendships that I've been able to make. I've been a part of Church of the Palms for as long as I can remember, from preschool to Sunday school to confirmation, and now our whole group has gotten so close over the years, and I'm just so lucky to have some lifelong friends that I've met from Church of the Palms. And thank you to everyone who has helped us out along the way. Go Gators! Hi, I'm Kendall Ligon. Um, I graduated from Riverview High School and I'm planning on attending FSU. And one of my favorite memories of Church of the Palms is the homeless sleepover. Hi, my name is Jack DiBernardo and I am graduating from Venice High School. Uh, for the next two years, I will be attending college at the State College of Florida, studying construction management. Uh, my favorite memory from Church of the Palms has to be uh, when we stopped at Go Fish Ministries last year, right before Montreat, we helped them uh, rebuild a church up. Uh, that trip really made me make a lot of uh, great friendships throughout the church, some unbreakable bonds that I'm just so blessed to have, and I wouldn't change it for the world. I love COP. Hi, my name is Allison Lindell, and I'm graduating from Riverview High School. I'm going to be attending the University of Central Florida in the fall, and I plan to study child psychology. I just want to say that I'm extremely blessed to be a member of Church of the Palms Youth Group, and I'm eternally grateful for all the memories that I've made and the people that I've met. The people at Church of the Palms are truly the most amazing people I've ever known, and I've been there for some of the worst times in my life, but are also extremely happy for the positive times in my life. And that's a very special thing to find people that are there for you in the good and the bad times. And I want to say thank you to everyone who's been a part of my faith journey and to all the adults that support the youth group and to Ethan, Sarah, Miss Lori, anyone who's ever been a volunteer for youth group. You've all shaped my life more than you'll ever know. So thank you, Church of the Palms. And it breaks my heart to know that in a few months I won't be spending all my Sundays at Church of the Palms, but I'm incredibly blessed that I was able to. And I'm extremely grateful that God brought me to Church of the Palms. Thank you.
empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have won the day. Shout out, Jesus is alive. He's alive. Oh, happy day, happy day. Wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same. When I stand in that place, free at last, meeting face to face, I'm yours, Jesus, you are mine. In this joy, perfect peace, every pain finally will cease, celebrate. Jesus is alive. Oh, me. He's alive. And oh, happy day, happy day. You washed my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day. I'll never be the same. Oh, forever unchanged. Atmosphere is changing now. 
here in this place, the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around, and the Spirit of the Lord is here. Fill our hearts with your love, your love surrounds us. You're the reason we came to encounter your love, your love surrounds us. Hi, my name is Steve McConnell. I'm another one of the pastors here at Church of the Palms. I'm also seeking to be the pastor that has the longest hair. And my hope is that I can catch up to the others uh, really, really soon. It will be my joy today to lead us all in prayer as we come before God. I think of this uh, wonderful quote from Henry Nouwen when he said, when you pray, you open yourself to the influence of the power which has revealed itself as love. So as we come to God in prayer, may it be that we would open our hearts and our lives to that great power of love that seeks to flow into us and through us on its way to the people of the world. So with that in mind, let us pray. 
Gracious God, we have just sung that the Spirit of the Lord is here and that your love surrounds us. And we are grateful, O Lord, that whether we be shoulder to shoulder as we would wish to be this day, or whether we be apart and in our homes and other places, we are thankful, O Lord, that your Spirit is here in our midst, surrounding us always, and that your love is yearning to fill us and make its way through us to others. So we pray, O Lord, that as we are mindful of that gathering community here at Church of the Palms, and as we are mindful of the community that surrounds us here in Sarasota and throughout the world, that we would be aware that we could be the channels of your Holy Spirit and the ambassadors of your love, and that we might find ways by which to encourage the world as we make our way through this very strange time of COVID-19. As invisible as this virus is, we are grateful, O oh Lord, for the invisible power of your spirit and pray, O oh Lord, that we may find great power in our lives through the work of your spirit through us, that we truly may be beacons of light in your world. We are mindful, especially, O oh God, of those who are on the front lines of this virus, and we think of those who are presently sick and pray, O oh Lord, that you will surround them with your grace and healing. We pray for those who are vulnerable, those who are worried that their condition may present themselves to be at great risk and ask, O oh God, that you will remind them of your presence. We think of medical workers and grocery store workers and we think of police and firefighters and those that are seeking to serve our community by being face to face with us in so many ways and pray, O oh God, that you will keep them well and remind them of our prayers and love. We think also of those who are lonely and alone and ask, O oh Lord, that again, you might use us to be companions to those who are seeking to know that they are loved and being thought of and being prayed for. And Lord, we pray that you will be with the children of our community, those who are at home and wishing they could be in school. We pray that you'll be with teachers as they are seeking to instruct. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you'll watch over parents that are seeking to balance so much of their lives of home and work and education and pray that you will be mindful of all of our families, that we would seek to know the ways by which we can know of your presence in our homes. Lord, we thank you for all these things and pray, O oh God, that we may sense a movement of your spirit in our midst and that we may have hope and be encouraged to know that in the darkness shines light and that we can know always of your mercy and always of your grace. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we are continuing our way along the good and unexpected journey with the story of Jacob's favorite son, Joseph. The arc of the Joseph story stretches across 14 chapters of Genesis, so I narrowed down the scripture reading in order for us to get the gist of the story. I would encourage you to read through the entire Joseph narrative if you get a chance this week. But at this point, I'd like to invite Ryan Chate to come forward. He's going to help me to read and tell the story of Joseph. Ryan is a senior at Sarasota Military Academy. Thanks for being here, Ryan. So Ryan is going to start in chapter 37 with verses 2 through 11. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper of the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Jacob loved Joseph more than any other of his children because he was the son of his old age, and he had made him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him 
and could not speak peaceably to him. Once Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Listen to this dream that I dreamed. They, there, were, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed to my sheaf. His brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to, demi- to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more because of his dreams and his words. He had another dream and, it told, and told it to his brothers, saying, Look, I have had another dream. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told this to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What kind of dream is this you've had? Shall we indeed come and I, your mother, or I and your mother and your brothers bowed down to the ground before you? So his, brother, his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Joseph's dad asked him to go check on his brothers who were tending sheep in another area. As Joseph approached in his new fancy coat, the brothers conspired to kill him. In verses 19 and 20, they said, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Well, instead of killing him, they ended up selling him to some guys that were on their way to Egypt, who in turn sold him to Potiphar, a captain in Pharaoh's guard. The brothers then tore Joseph's coat, smeared it with goat's blood, and then gave it to his dad as proof that his favorite son was dead. Joseph rises to some power, becoming an overseer of Potiphar's house and all that he had, until he is falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and then is thrown into prison. Joseph interprets a couple of dreams that come true for two of Pharaoh's officers, but he is forgotten again to rot in that dungeon. Two years go by, and then Pharaoh has some dreams that need tending. So we'll pick up the story then in chapter 41, and Ryan is going to read verses 14 through 24. Then Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was hurriedly brought out of the dungeon. When he shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and there's no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not I. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream, I was standing on the banks of the Nile, and seven cows, fat and sleek, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Then seven other cows came up after them, poor, very ugly and thin. Never had I seen such ugly ones in all the land of Egypt. The thin and ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows, but when they had eaten them, no one one would have known that they had done so, for they were still as ugly as before. Then I awoke. I fell asleep a second time, and I saw in my dream seven ears of grain, full and good, growing on one stalk, and seven ears withered and thin and blighted by the east wind, sprouting after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. But when I told it to the magicians, there was no one who could explain it to me. So then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do, which is basically that Egypt was going to have seven years of bumper crops and great plenty, followed by seven years of a horrible famine. As the doubling of Pharaoh's dreams meant that that this is fixed by God, and that God will shortly bring it about. Now therefore let Pharaoh select a man who is discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. And this is how Joseph became the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O God, to the words just read and the words to come that they might point to the word made flesh, Jesus the Christ. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. 
Thanks, Ryan. Nobody likes a tattletale. And Joseph isn't a little kid like five or six years old. He's 17 for crying out loud. He's the age of our graduating seniors. And yet he's running home to daddy to tell on his big brothers. I know that sibling rivalry is as old as time, starting way back with the original family. In the fourth chapter of Genesis, Cain actually murdered Abel because he was so jealous of his brother and the thought that God liked Abel's offering more than he liked his. Jacob and Esau were pitted against each other because their parents played favorites. And now Joseph. Joseph doesn't stand a chance with his brothers once his dad gives him that special coat that effectively puts him on a class above his older brothers. I'm not saying that there aren't days when you as a parent might appreciate one of your kids just a tad more than the other, but for heaven's sakes, you don't show it. You love them all equally. You love them all ferociously, or otherwise we can really mess them up. Did you ever read The Prince of Tides by Pat Conroy? I read it years ago, and I haven't reread it, but I remember how the protagonist carried so much guilt because his mother told him that she loved him the best. He always felt so bad for his brother and his twin sister. It ate him up inside. It wasn't until he was an adult that his siblings told him that their mom used to tell them the same exact thing, that they were each the favorite child. Okay, even if she didn't actually have a favorite, that's still messed up. Oh, the dysfunction in our families reflects back to our individual brokenness, doesn't it? And when we look at these characters in the Bible, lest we judge too harshly from a perch too high, I wonder if we ever catch a glimpse of ourselves. Who do you most identify with in the Joseph story? Were you the cute youngest child who never did anything wrong? Were you a tattletale? Were you a jealous brother or sister who never seemed to measure up? Were you on the giving or receiving side of favoritism? Most of us are not essentially bad people, but we've all probably had a taste of greed, selfishness, pride, favoritism, and jealousy. We are all flawed. Stan Lee, the head of Marvel Comics, changed the game for superheroes when he decided to make them flawed and to have weaknesses instead of being godlike. People took to it because they could relate to them in a way that they couldn't with Superman. These outcasts and misfits rose to the alarm clocks buzzing and slogged to work each morning to get the job done, not in a fanciful metropolis or in Gotham, but on the actual streets of New York City and in imperfect America beyond it. For them, the struggle was the thing. No matter whether the task was saving the world, paying the rent, or trying to make ends meet as a freelance photographer. In 1969, Lee wrote, one of the things we try to demonstrate in our stories is that nobody is all good or all bad. Even a shoddy supervillain can have a redeeming trait, just as any howling hero might have his nutty hang-ups. He later wrote, none of us is all that different from each other. We all want essentially the same things out of life. So why don't we all stop wasting time hating the other guy? Just look in the mirror, mister. The other guy is you. So perhaps we can see ourselves in the Joseph story. And maybe you can also relate to the way our traits and gifts can cut both ways. Did you notice that the same God-given gift that got Joseph thrown into the pit is the same gift that got him out? 
Joseph's ability to interpret dreams became the tipping point for his brothers, hating him even more. So they got rid of him. While in prison, Joseph uses this gift for Pharaoh's officers, and ultimately that's what gets him lifted out of the pit so he could have an audience with Pharaoh. After he uses this gift to decipher Pharaoh's dreams, he was lifted to an even higher glory, second most powerful leader in all of Egypt. This idea is reflected in a poem called Power, written by Adrian Rich. This poem is about two-time Nobel Prize winner Marie Curie, who conducted pioneering research in radioactivity. Listen to these four lines. She died a famous woman, denying her wounds came from the same source as her power. Each of us is complex, goodness mingled with imperfection. With our weakness in character, our lapse of judgment, and just the brokenness of the world, the odds are pretty good that sometime on this journey, we too will find ourselves in a deep pit. I'm not sure it matters whether we jump or whether we are pushed. What matters is what we do when we're sitting in the darkness. LaVera Crawley, a hospice chaplain, says, there is deep beauty in the darkness, in the unknowing, in the indescribable. If only, if only we can open ourselves to its purpose. Metaphorically, the dark emotions of grief, fear, and despair can be profound teachers and guides. The primal howl of existential suffering holds within it the lessons that we all must learn at some time in our lives. To heal from our suffering, not merely to ease or palliate it, but to transform it into the source and substance of our growth and wisdom requires a journey through it. In other words, perhaps the unexpected journey is good even when we are thrown into a pit along the way. Suffering can lead in one of two directions. It can make us bitter and close us down, or we become wise, compassionate, and utterly open. I like to imagine the pit like the writer of Hebrews who says in chapter 10, verse 31, fall into the hands of a living God. Isn't that nice? It's like a trust fall into the hands of God. It reminds me of that beautiful duet by Andrea Bocelli and his 20-year-old son, Matteo. It's called Fall on Me. A strong, healthy relationship between a parent and a child can give us a taste of the unconditional love of God. I wanna show you just one minute of the music video, but I would encourage you to watch it all later. It begins with Matteo singing a verse in English, and then his dad sings a verse in Italian, and then we pick it up where together they sing. I close my eyes and I'm seeing you everywhere. I step outside. It's like I'm breathing you in the air. I can feel you're there. And then the chorus, fall on me with open arms, fall on me from where you are, fall on me with all your light. Let's take a look.
two lines that Andrea sings to his son are something I can imagine God singing to us. My love will forever be stronger than stone. Don't be afraid, you are never alone. As we are falling into the pit, if we can trust that God is catching us and holding us in the darkness, Perhaps we can be open to what our suffering is meant to teach us. Richard Rohr says, the virtue of hope comes from a learned capacity to suffer wisely, calmly, and generously. The gospel gives our suffering both personal and cosmic meaning by connecting our pain to the pain of others, and finally, by connecting us to the very pain of God. Although we wouldn't choose suffering, there is a spiritual maturing and a sacred connection to Jesus and to life itself if we are open to it. I suppose that's why the Apostle Paul, or what he's getting at in Romans 5 when he writes, we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Our seniors are getting ready to embark on the world. They have plans and hopes and dreams. Their moms and dads are experiencing yet another lesson in grief and loss and letting go. And this pandemic is causing all of us to hold on loosely to our plans and our hopes for the future. Perhaps this season of instability and unknowing is shaping and softening our hearts to connect deeper with God and to receive more of God's love and goodness. Perhaps it is preparing us for the other pits we will encounter along the way. In 2015, Kate Bowler was a 35-year-old professor at Duke Divinity School, married to her high school sweetheart, mother to a newborn son, and suddenly diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. In her most recent book, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved, she wrote, plans are made, plans come apart, New delights or tragedies pop up in their place. And nothing human or divine will map out this life, this life that has been more painful than I could have imagined, more beautiful than I could have imagined. That's the secret. Don't skip to the end. Somehow we have to find the courage to show up for our lives, even when our dreams seem shattered, even when we are down in the pit. I read an article in the Wall Street Journal last week about former pro basketball player David Gardner. When Gardner starts to feel frustrated or annoyed these days, let's say when he's in the pit, he asks himself this question, what is the gift in this situation? Can you hear the curiosity and the openness to the spirit in that kind of question? It's a step towards mindfulness, which is an opening and a step towards God. John Kabat-Zinn has defined mindfulness as the awareness that arises through paying attention on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally. He also said it's about living your life as if it really mattered, moment by moment by moment by moment. And the question for us, I suppose, is this. Do we trust that the ways of God are at work regardless of the human attitudes and actions around us, regardless of how bleak it might seem? Do we trust that we have fallen into the hands of a loving God. Somewhere along the way, Joseph grew up. I think his experiences in the dark pits are what humbled him and connected him to God in a deeper way. 
when Joseph had all the power and maybe even the justification to punish his brothers for their heinous crime, he chose instead to forgive them. Joseph had learned to suffer wisely, calmly, and generously. And from this place of trust, from a deep knowing of who he is and into whose hands he fell, Joseph said to his brothers, even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good. Friends, in the moment, we don't always understand it. We can't always see it. But remember, it was the radical love of God that put Jesus on a cross and in the grave and into the very pit of hell. And it was this same radical love that raised Jesus out of the pit, lifting him high, even to the most high glory, to the right hand of God. This gift, this gift of radical love, of grace and mercy and eternal life, it's available, it's offered to each one of us. Can you imagine if we leaned into that promise, how our relationships and our lives would be transformed? Imagine if we all trusted that God is at work for good and that God is there to catch us when we fall. Close your eyes and dream and fall into the hands of a living God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, words cannot express the gratitude that we feel for being called and claimed by you. Words cannot express sometimes, Lord, when we feel sorrow and when we are hurting. We just pray, Lord, that you open our hearts, open our minds so that we might sense your presence, so that we might always trust that we are in your ever-loving hands and that you intend goodness for all of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Surely alive, living on the inside, growing like a lion. God's not dead, surely alive. 
heaven rose and fire falls can shake the ground with the sound of revival but heaven rose and fire falls can shake the ground with the sound of revival Heaven roar and fire fall. Come shake the ground with the sound of revival. God's not dead, he's surely alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. God's not dead, he's surely alive. He's living on the inside, roaring like a lion. God's not dead, he's surely alive. Living on the inside, rolling like a lion. God's not dead, he's surely alive. Living on the inside, rolling like a lion. He's rolling, he's rolling, he's rolling like a lion. He's rolling, he's rolling, he's rolling, he's rolling like a lion. Friends, whatever you may be facing this week, perhaps a first step might be to ask the question, what is the gift in this situation? And then let go and fall into the hands of a loving God. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your hearts so that all might see and believe. And all God's children said, Amen.